Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 55. Last week I had a day where I was seriously under the pump. Um, so my to-do list was a mile long and in typical fashion, like I had it all scheduled out. Like I knew exactly when to do each thing on that list. Yet, what did I do? I tidied up the desktop on my computer, which definitely was not on the to-do list. And um, two things struck me when I did that. So one, people give me a lot of credit for being very disciplined and I'm starting to think that actually I'm not. And two, I think discipline actually might be quite overrated because if I'm not disciplined and yet I'm able to be productive and efficient, maybe we don't need it as much as we think. So yeah, I guess that's my first question to you today, Brooke. Do you think discipline is overrated? And I think I might know what your answer is. I I do. Let me give you a qualified yes. Yeah. And I, a qualified yes to the answer to the question of do I think discipline is overrated? Because I, I think it really depends what you think of as discipline. Yes. Because I, I used to tell myself this story. I'm not disciplined. I'm kind of a chaotic person. I just, you know, fly by the seat of my pants. Uh, and, you know, and, and the result is a much more rhythmic kind of life rather than a routine life, which we've spoken about a lot. But then I thought, I realized that that having a rhythm to my life is still a form of discipline, Mm. but it's just not what we think of as discipline. You know, to me, I think of discipline as, you know, spreadsheets and routines and very (laughs) strict habits that are are, adhered to very strongly. Yeah, they're concrete, you know, And, and discipline is also sort of a personality trait, like a disciplined person. And I mean, I think that's an overrated kind of thing to, to strive for, because like you said, we can still be productive and efficient and effective and, you know, happy and content and all those other things without being that sort of regimented, disciplined person with a disciplined personality. So I think that in that regard, it, it can actually be something that we compare ourselves to. And I told myself for many years that I was less than because I wasn't disciplined enough. You know, so it was this way that I was comparing myself, this kind of yardstick that I was using to compare myself to other people. And it was really unhelpful. So what I needed to do was find a way to to form habits and, uh, you know, behavior patterns and all those kind of, pardon me, all those kinds of things that that are actually useful and do help me to live life in the kind of way that that works for me and make it my own, not make it someone else's idea of what discipline looks like yeah yeah does that make sense yeah because that i you know because i actually went looking for like the definition of discipline in the way that i look at it and i actually couldn't find one like in the dictionary it's there's nothing talking about like in my head discipline is i guess equates with willpower so it's the ability to Mm. hold oneself accountable and do the things you need to do and not do the things that you know you shouldn't do and I've always looked at it as this really inherent kind of yeah trait and interestingly although people have always given me credit for being very disciplined because I guess 
they have seen my single-mindedness and drive and equated that to discipline I've never really used that word for myself like Mm. you know I've never gone oh yes I'm I'm a very highly disciplined person and that's why I achieve things like it's it's just not a word I've ever used and and yeah I found it interesting that I went looking for that definition of discipline that I have in my head and it's just it's not even a dictionary thing (laughs) it's not actually even it's not even a thing yeah it's just this idea that has developed over time maybe listening to people talk about their really rigid habits and that then has become this disciplined kind of idea which is not actually what it really means no and I think it's an idea that has been sold to us over the years like whenever Mm. someone is talking about you know a successful athlete or a successful business person the word discipline is always always used in there you know in and yeah and again what it really is describing is focus Yes. And the ability, you know, the ability to be single-minded in their quest for whatever it is they're trying to achieve. And I don't actually know that that single-mindedness, while necessary at certain, you know, to achieve certain things, I don't know that that single-mindedness is actually a good thing to aspire to from the point of view of having a nice life. Yeah, and, you know, some semblance of, of balance. And I think what an athlete is actually a really interesting example because you look at what it takes to be an elite athlete and it's it's a full-time job, essentially, to become an elite athlete. Yes. And that's, that's not balanced. I mean, you would have a lot more insight into this than me with your triathlon years. I mean, you so much of your free time, your downtime, your non-working non-family time goes towards this this pursuit of you know whatever the sport is to the point where I don't know did you find that it was taking up an inordinate amount of your time when you were when you were actively training yeah well and the thing that it takes up is so it takes up like time time as in physical time like you go out to you know you go and do a six hour bike ride or I'll take that back I did one six hour bike ride in my life and never did one and you're still alive (laughs) (laughs) and I went I'm never doing that again that's why I've never done an Ironman but yeah it takes up an inordinate amount of physical time um so you're Mm. traveling to the pool or you're traveling to the track to do your running training or meet you know meet your training partners riding takes a lot of time as well so there's that time but what I didn't realize until I quit triathlon was just how much mental time it took up as well so just like Mm. my my whole day if regardless of you know so if I wasn't training I was thinking about training or thinking Mm. about fueling for training or thinking about the session that I just had that morning that didn't go very well or the one that I was going to have that afternoon that I didn't really feel like doing it's a very difficult way to be when you're with just with a partner because it's very difficult for your partner. It takes a very understanding partner. Um, I find it interesting when people have families like kids and they also do that sport because it is a sport that does require a quite a single-minded approach in order to be competitive. Yeah. And then people people really admire, you know, the, yeah. the, the ability <laughs> But they look at the the discipline, let's use that word, uh, that it actually requires and like, well, I, I couldn't do that. I'm not that single-minded. You know, I just find it, it's a really interesting sort of, you know, duality between these are these are 
people that are admired for their discipline, but it's almost unrealistic for most people who have, you know, maybe more elements to their life or whatever. I don't know. Like they're just not that single minded in one, one area. It doesn't, it's not realistic. It's not. It's I, not. I, yeah. I don't know. I just, I find it, I, I just find it really interesting that discipline has become this kind of this thing that we put up on a pedestal, but what it actually means is ignoring heaps of other areas of life, essentially is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, discipline generally does not allow for, yeah, as you say, balance. And I know neither of you love the word balance, but there is no other word for it. But it, no, it, yeah. it doesn't allow, for, it's not a balanced mindset to be supremely, supremely disciplined. It's if you bring, kind of one of my favorite sayings is how you do anything is how you do everything. Hmm. And and discipline falls into that in that if you're disciplined in one area of your life, you're probably going to be disciplined in most areas of your life. It does yep. carry through. But is that necessarily healthy? Probably not. And most most people, like, and we'll talk athletes again because that's kind of what I'm familiar with, most athletes will admit that the things that they have to do to achieve their goals – is not healthy and it requires not to sacrifice from themselves it requires sacrifice from every person around them as well and Mm. that's why you know you often see people thanking their teams and doing so sincerely because they realize you know that it's you know it's all well and good for them the athlete to do the hard work and do what needs to be done but there's people around them who's who are feeding into that as well and have to facilitate that and Okay, so the reality of that is it has to be done that way in order to, say, be the best in the world. If you're not trying to be the best in the world, you don't need that discipline and we don't – I think it. I think it's good to be able to stop selling discipline as this be-all and end-all. And the only reason you're not achieving your goals is because you're not very disciplined, but I disagree. I think the only reason you're not achieving your goals is, one, because you're probably not very clear on what they actually are to you, if you do know what they are, maybe you're not taking the best path to get there. But discipline, is that the thing that's holding you back? Probably not. But a mm. lot of people do what you do and tell themselves what you do, what you did. Tell themselves a story that I'll never achieve this thing because I just don't, I'm not a disciplined person or I don't have, yeah, I don't have this inherent trait. Therefore, I can't do it. And, and that kills me a little bit because I'm like, no, that's, that's not the reason like you know exactly and for me I think it's more about you know in a in a more real world sense it's about developing like willpower yeah kind of but more so just developing habits and behavior patterns that actually support the goals that you're going towards that you're working towards Mm. and I think what I used to believe about discipline as well is that it was almost effortless <laughs> yeah. to be disciplined. It was just, I was just born this way. I'm just a disciplined person. Yeah, I get up at 4 a.m. and I run 30 kilometers and I do all these things. You know, they, no one says that that's easy, but that's kind of the the myth that surrounds the idea of being a disciplined person is that it's it's easier for people who are disciplined. And it, I guess because it looks easy from the outside. Yes in so that's how it's easy to form that I mean I even again look at athletes like say football players um you know who on the field you look at how they go about their business and they look it it looks effortless and it looks easy or great runners it looks easy but the all the work that sits behind that is anything but but we don't really see that 
you know, we're not training with them every day. We're not, you know, in the change rooms with them, you know, not at half time seeing them throwing up because they've gone so hard in the first half. Like mm. we don't see any of that. So again, it becomes an easy message to sell that, yes, this is a, a trait. And if you've got it, like life's going to be so easy for you. And if you don't got it, you're stuffed. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it becomes a really convenient scapegoat too mm. um, because we don't see that. We're like, oh, well, it's easy for them. Well, it's not. There was an ad. There was a like, – I don't – I'm not a huge sports follower really, <laughs> particularly not golf. So it's very strange that I'm going to use a Tiger Woods story here. But <laughs> there was an ad a few years ago and it was, um, you know, inside a house and it was on a rainy day. And there was this, there was a comfortable couch and a blanket kind of rumpled on the couch and there was TV playing and you could see out the window that it was raining. And, uh, you know, there was, I think, credits or, or something on the screen or a voiceover saying, you know, on a rainy day, there's nothing better than cuddling up on the couch with my kids or, you know, watching a movie and enjoying some downtime. And <laughs> then, then Tiger Wood says, unfortunately... Um, there's no such thing as a rain day for me and it pans out and it's him out on like the putting green in the pouring rain, just yeah. kind of doing his drills, doing his drills. And I thought that was actually really quite enlightening because usually people who are, you know, disciplined, they're the big achievers, they're put up on this pedestal as something almost superhero like, and don't get me wrong, there's talent and there's drive and there's all these other things that, that make someone exceptional in that regard. But what it actually is, is just doing the work every day, taking whether you're Tiger Woods and you're practicing for 10 hours a day or whether you're making one small step or one small, easy, simple choice every day to move you towards whatever that goal is. That's the same thing. You know, it's, it's, it's forward momentum. And I think it's just doing the thing, doing the work, turning up. And I think that's a much better, a much better way of viewing the idea of discipline. It doesn't need to be earth-shattering and it, and it doesn't need to be this inherent up. trait that you either have or don't like no. I really love that because literally that is all discipline is all discipline is is showing up and exactly. doing the work and exactly and anyone can do that like okay not everyone can be the best in the world but anyone can show up and do the work and everyone who shows up and does the work is going to be in the top X percent of what exactly. they're doing. Because Be most people just won't do that. Yeah. And yeah. this is what I love about it. And so this is why I kind of come back to the original thing of like why discipline is overrated because one, I've really been looking at my how I go about things in the last few weeks and I'm like, yeah, I, I actually am not this disciplined person and I actually don't have I, I've always known I don't have these great reserves of willpower I'm just not that person so what do I do to compensate for that and still be an effective person and still you know achieve my dreams well you know and you've touched on it it's habits and routines and rituals mm. to me those things take away the need for willpower so I don't when I get up at four quarter past four in the morning I don't need willpower to do that. Like I don't have a conversation with myself every morning when the alarm goes off like, oh, okay, so it's time to get up. Should I get up? I don't really feel like getting mm -hmm. up. I don't ever feel like getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Like I don't 
the alarm never goes off and finds me going, Hoo-hoo, let's go. Yay. Like this is just, <laughs> just does not happen. So, but the thing is, I just don't allow myself to have a conversation with myself. I do not allow willpower to come into the equation because as soon as I do, one, it's exhausting, but two, I actually don't have any. So yeah. I will stay in bed and then lie there for an hour because once I'm awake, I'm awake. It's kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a habit. It's a habit now that I get up at that time and I go and then it's a habit that I go, you know, go and routine that I go into the kitchen and I have my two big glasses of water with a squeeze of lemon in it and while I scroll through Instagram and then, you know, it's a habit that I sit down at my computer at 4.30 and, do you know because that's my writing time and it's a habit that at six o'clock I go out and do whatever exercise I'm going to do for the day and like you know so all these things sitting down to write I don't need willpower I just do it going out to exercise I don't need willpower I just do it because I don't have to think about it because I've Mm. built out all these habits and routines around it and the thing is it's not just a so there's the habit that I get up and I go for a run and I go you know and I do my writing in the morning but I build out my whole day around these things that are important to me so you know it if I allowed myself to stay up and watch five episodes of Suits in a row at night like that's not a good choice to make if I want to facilitate this routine and habit I've built around getting up early in the morning and doing my writing and and my running so you know it's not just routines don't just stop at all if I just set up a routine around this one thing that I want to do then that will that's the be all and end all like you know I build out my whole day to facilitate the things that I want I build out my day to facilitate having time with my kids in the afternoon and time with aunt in the evening and eating dinner at a certain time and all of these things facilitate not having to use willpower to do the things that are important to me. And I just, yeah, I do think, um, do you think kind of willpower and discipline are things that are kind of people seem to think they go hand in hand? Yeah, I do. And I I think that we need to not rely on them. As you say, I think we absolutely need to build systems into our day that help us to act. I mean, so the thing that I was thinking when I when you were talking about this this formation of habits is what about the person who hasn't yet formed the habits but wants to? So, you know, you said I don't have to worry about willpower now because it's a habit. But what if someone's sort of listening, they're thinking, I want to be able to get up at four o'clock in the morning to write because it's the only time that I can do it and it works for me, but I don't have that habit yet. How did you begin forming those habits? Like how did you get those habits entrenched into your day so that now you just don't even think about it? So I just decided to start and I knew that at the start I wouldn't want to, uh, it would be difficult. Like when I first started, I actually um, started getting up at 4.30 in the morning, probably going back about three years ago because the CrossFit class that I was doing at the time started at 5.00. And I'd actually made a promise to myself after my triathlon days when I used to get up at five um, in the fours for swimming training, I kind of made a promise myself I was never getting up in the fours again. Mm-hmm. So it was, it took a lot of, you know, it took a fair amount of getting my head around it to go, right, no, well, the only time you can do this CrossFit class is, at, the only time you can do CrossFit is at five. You want to do CrossFit for this reason and the reason was I needed to get back strength so that I could run again without knee pain so you can see like there's a whole lot of wires coming into it Mm -hmm. before I even build out the habit so I wanted to be able to run again without my knees hurting 
I needed a form of weight training that was short and sharp and quick and I hated going to the gym. So, and a few of my friends doing CrossFit. So I went, okay, I want to do CrossFit. At that time in my life, I had to be able to do it at like 5 a.m. <laughs> that was just, it was just a crazy time in my life and that was the only time I could do a class. To be able to do that class, I had to get up at 4.30. So I was like, okay. So the first two, three weeks of getting up at 4.30 in the morning twice a week, I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to. Mm. But, you know, I did it because I, there was a good reason. There was a lot of whys sitting behind that, you know, that choice to get up at 4.30 in the morning. And then it was interesting because about a year later, they actually stopped having that 5 a.m. class and moved it to 5.45. So in theory, I could have pushed back my get up time. But by then I was so used to getting up at 4.30 and then – I went, oh, you know what? Like I'm not getting writing time, as much writing time I was as I'd like. I know I do my best writing in the morning. I know it's important to me to have that writing time every day. So instead of trying to sneak it in at lunchtime or sneak it in in the evening, it works so much better for me to have it in the morning. So I kind of kept going with the getting up at 4.30 thing and then I just kind of pulled it back to 4.15 because I – because I saw the benefit of being able to have that writing time. It helped me so much in so many different ways. And then, yeah, so eventually I pulled it back to 4.15 because it gave me more writing time. But, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is I didn't just suddenly wake up one day and go, ah, I want more writing and exercise time in the morning. I shall get up at (laughs) 4.15. It just, it was a very organic process, but it was driven very strongly by the whys and the the identification of these things are super, super important to me. Right now in this particular season of my life, the only way I'm going to get to do these things each day is if I get up quite early. It works for my family because, you know, the kids are in bed by 7.30 um, and Ant is happy to go to bed early as well because he actually also likes getting up early. So it works really well for us if... Aunt was someone who wanted to stay up till midnight and he wanted me to be up until that time with him. I might have to find a different way of facilitating all of that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just building it. And yeah, and once you know you're getting up at 4.15 in the morning, then you start, then like I said before, then you start building out all the other things to support being able to do that. So it is this very organic process and it, yeah, it's not a click of the fingers. It's not a, you know, I really want to emphasize it's not a, like I decide I'm doing it and I just do it and it's easy and no worries. It's, yeah, it takes effort, but it's so worth it. So if it's not worth it, then you're going to struggle to do it. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's two things that you said that are really key. It's your why, like knowing why you're doing it is vital it's it's probably the number one most important thing to put at the center of any change that you make and then I think I do think willpower comes into it but only for a short period of time I think you do need some kind of willpower but that's sort of tied very very closely to your why you know so let's use the getting up early in the morning example again Um, you might need three or four weeks to to form this habit and in or in that within that three or four weeks, you you do need to rely on willpower for 
a bit, but yeah. that moment is simply the moment where you're like, I'm getting up now. Why am I getting up? Because I want to go for a run. Why am I going for a run? Because I want to feel well and healthy and I feel like I'm moving more. You know, I want to do 10,000 steps a day. I want to, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's, you have to use that as your, your drive. And I think there's little mind tricks that you can play in order to get yourself up and out the door. You can just say, all right, you don't have to go for a run. It's fine. You do have to get up, get dressed, put your shoes on. Yeah. Like once you've got your shoes on, you're going to go for a run anyway. That's it. It's the first step out of the door. It's like the I, I have like my exactly. two minute rule. It's like you don't have to go for a run, but you do have to go out for two minutes. And of yes. course, like you're done. Once you've started, yeah. you've started. Well, then you've started. That's it. So I do think that willpower and little mind tricks that they do have a have a place. But what they actually cause is action. And from mm, action, yes. repeated action comes habit. Like that seems to be the process. You figure out why you want to make the change or why you want to be disciplined, to use that word, what it is that, you know, you stand to gain, what that actually looks like, how you can fool yourself, trick yourself, force yourself yep. to do that thing for three or four weeks. And that becomes your action, which becomes a habit, you know, and I think if you just allow yourself some time for those habits to form because they form from action that's the only way you yep. can form a habit from the doing you know and I guess really if you want to boil discipline down to what it probably really means that's really the the definition of discipline it's just the continued doing not the you know being the superhero athlete or um, you know whatever it, it may be but it's just the continuous doing until you form a habit and then you can you look like a disciplined person but what you're actually doing <laughs> is what feels comfortable because you've created those those well-worn tracks of habit and you just slide through them, you know? So I do think that, that there is a place for willpower, but that's not actually the answer to being a disciplined person. No. And I actually want to touch on what you just said there about yeah action, because um, my friend Dave wrote an article for, for flying solo recently where he was talking about overthinking and he's like, you know, how do we overcome overthinking and overthinking is, you know, even that whole lying in bed in the morning and going, do I get up and go for a run or do I stay here and enjoy my comfy yeah. warm bed? That's a form of overthinking as well. And he said, whenever he catches himself overthinking, he's like, what do I need my feet to do? <laughs> my feet need to roll out of this bed and plant themselves on the floor. Okay. What's the next thing I need my feet to do? Take me downstairs. What's the next thing I need my feet to do? And like, so, and that's what he's calling on. He's forcing himself into action by going like, okay, instead of me lying here debating with myself about what I shouldn't, shouldn't do, what's the thing my feet need to do to take me to that thing that I want, you know, to that desirable outcome. And yeah, I love that because yeah, it replaced thinking with action, which is something um, yep. Carly and I actually talk about a bit in straight and curly podcast a bit as well that yeah the antidote to any kind of overthinking is action of some description absolutely and as soon as absolutely. you and as soon as you boil it down to that and it, you go oh yeah it's not my mindset that's holding me back it's not like i'm weak-willed it's not my lack of discipline it's simply a lack of action and i have complete control over what my next action is and it, it's such a powerful thing when you realize that and you realize how you have so much more control over this thing than you know than you think you do and I love it when people mm. make that realization yep it's so powerful so um, I just want because you had to write a book at the end of last year and I remember you telling me the story of writing a, <laughs> you know of how you approached it because you and I approached writing books very differently but you had um <laughs> called on a mutual friend of ours Nicole Avery who's 
and Nicole had given you her book writing process, which which being Nick involved spreadsheets and timelines yes. and stuff. And I laugh because even I can't write a book like the way that Nick does in that very ordered kind of fashion. And I laughed even harder when you said you'd caught on it because I was like, it's not going to work for me. It's definitely <laughs> not going to work for you. So where, you know, what, how did you get your book written? If you're not calling on discipline and if you know it, how do you get it written? It was, it was ugly, I'll say that. Um, it was very, very ugly. So, I, I mean, I do think I called on some form of discipline, um, but it was just in the form of action. I didn't uh, – so what I did do, every time I sat down for a chunk of time, I gave myself a minimum word count. That is the one thing that I did. I yeah. didn't spreadsheet it. I didn't write it down anywhere. I just said – Today, in these five hours, you will put out 2,000 words. And they can be the worst 2,000 words <laughs> you want, but you have to put out 2,000 words. And what I found was was by doing that, it became a habit and the writing process became I want it, easier in some ways. I mean, the, the content was sometimes more challenging because I was getting deeper and trying new things and all that kind of stuff. But the habit of producing like decent work became easier to to continue to roll through as I did it day in and day out, day in and day out. So I guess there was a discipline there, but what I previously would have called being a disciplined person was that spreadsheet routine. Yeah. You know, so Nick's Nick's book plan was amazing. You know, she had her chapters all outlined and the number of words and the number of words for each chapter that she needed to have written by a certain date. And that just causes my brain to explode. I can't because what I did was I, as much as I thought that I would write it chapter in, chapter out, one at a time, I didn't. Like I would plan each chapter roughly, then I'd go back in and I'd start to flesh out some pieces. And then if something was harder, it wasn't working, I'd go and start another chapter and then I'd go back or I'd move on to another thing. And it was it was much more haphazard than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, but it's what worked for me. And not to say that it was perfect and I would probably change things for the next book that I write, but it was a form of discipline, but it was a very ugly discipline. Yeah. It wasn't, it was certainly not effortless. And if you were living near me at the time, you would <laughs> certainly see that it was not effortless either. <laughs> and do you know what I find interesting about the book writing process? So I've written three now, three in very different ways. And they were all, the first one was ironically the easiest to write it was the simplest I guess because I'd written it in my head over the course of two Mm. years but every writer that I speak to like they have said like it it doesn't get easier the writing Mm -hmm. process it if anything gets harder like certainly expectations play a part but yeah you would think that if there's this kind of inherent thing driving us to do this or this inherent discipline or practice it would get easier but it doesn't and this is true for a lot of things in life so having habits and routines makes things easier to take makes it easier to take action but the reality is I never want to go for a run and I love running like exactly. How, exactly. how weird is that you know um I quite often don't really feel like sitting down to write and I love writing so yeah. you know if there's one thing I'd love people to take away from this other than the fact that discipline is overrated is the fact that these things, even if we love doing them or even if they're really important to us, they don't necessarily get easier. But if we set ourselves up to take solid action in the pursuit of these things, they at least get done. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag LetItBePod or uh, head over to LetItBe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.